0: Welcome to episode 161 of Control the Controllables. And today's guest was a former world junior number one. She made it all the way to 136 WTA age 19 and was expected to go on to big things. And then as the pressure goes in this sport, her her ranking dropped and recently she has just moved back into the world's top 100 female players
1: i thought like it's going to be as smooth as getting to 136 to break into top 100 but then the pressure came on me like you know i was number 1 in the juniors so everyone was expecting that i would go in there easy but yeah it was just mentally i was not ready for it i think
0: and was so excited to have dal magalfi As our guest, as I said there at the start, someone who has now broken into the top 100 in the world, someone who talks in a very raw, open manner about the challenging times. You know, we often, we look at a ranking list and we see somebody as world junior number one and we think they've got the world at their feet. They think they've got all these opportunities. But what we often don't see is the expectation, the pressure, the difficulties that go with that with such a young mind and someone who's not used to being in that position dalma opens up about all of that she is a brilliant guest she really is and i'm sure you guys are going to love it as always and i'm now going to pass you over to dalma galfi so dalma galfi a big welcome to control the controllables how are you doing
1: thank you thanks for inviting me i'm doing great i'm at home at the moment just got home yesterday from madrid so all good a and, little uh, little me time now
0: good well 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 deserved after a great start to the year you know breaking the the holy grail that is top 100 <laughs> in the world you know and in, in in the tennis world everybody knows about i don't know why we call it the top 100 has been the holy grail but it is so how, how does that feel to kind of get that monkey off your back a little bit
1: yeah, it was it was. Uh, I was pretty close for a long time now, and the moment I knew that I'm gonna break it, it was kind of a relief. <laughs> and also, also obviously, I'm really happy about it because this was my goal since I started playing tennis when I was five. So yeah, it's a huge relief that I I, I made it uh, as as one of my biggest goals. And, yeah, I'm just happy about it, but I'm really, as well, really motivated that that I'm in, and I can still go as far as I, I can imagine.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. It's, it's interesting that you use the word relief, because I think... I think quite a few players would would use that word which I I guess relief is it's a funny emotion relief it's not it's not necessarily excitement or joy you know is it is that the feeling it feels like oh finally I'm I've finally got that and and do you feel any different now do you feel calmer do you feel you know us mere mortals like myself that never got near top 100 in the world how does that net now feel well it's
1: just kind of justifying that i'm doing the right things and and it's good to have like a proof that i'm doing the right things to like uh making it there because i i knew i have the ability to to get there and i knew i had the talent and i really really worked hard and yeah it's just the moment when you finally make it it's like uh i don't know how to say like uh yeah, it justifies that 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 you belong there
0: yeah because because if we go back go back to 2017 which you know we'll get into your tennis story uh, in, in a minute but 2017 five years ago you were one three six i think in the world so you were you were already knocking on that door yeah. so to to go up those 40 extra spots 36 37 extra spots it's been five years to do that, which uh, could, I would imagine, cause some frustration, some difficulties. So so well done on the resilience that you've showed.
1: Yeah, uh, when I was 136, I was still young. I just got out of juniors. I had some great success in in the pro, pro level. And uh, yeah, I just got there all of a sudden and I felt like I don't even know what to do with it. I was pretty close and I thought like it's going to be as smooth as getting to 136 to break into top 100 but then then the pressure came on me like uh I was still young I saw some other young players who made it and and you know I was number 1 in the juniors so everyone was expecting that I would go in there easy but yeah, it was just mentally, I was not ready for it, I think.
0: And I've had, I've spoke to Dasha Kazakina on, on the podcast, Igor Sviantek, mm-hmm. and, and, and they said similar things, and, and, and I guess at different levels. So, I mean, Dasha, Dasha got to top 20 in the world and said a very similar thing. She said she wasn't ready to be a top 20 player. She yeah. just wasn't ready, and, and, and then her ranking started to drop. Igor won Roland Garros and felt she wasn't ready to be a Grand Slam champion. And I, I think we're seeing it a little bit with Emma Raducanu now as well. But to to those people that are listening, what what does that mean? You, 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 because when you're not ready or you're still a bit young and you alluded there to the pressure, what what is it that almost stops I guess it's almost feels easy-ish to get to that. And then, and then it feels as if a barrier comes down, you know, is that expectation? Is that the the expectation becomes so high with you, with yourself internally, with people around you? What, what is the thing that causes causes that on reflection?
1: Yeah. I think uh, when I was there, I felt like I have the level. I just, uh, how to explain this it's it's tough to explain that feeling because it's it's a mixture of pressure expectations the people around you not like the close ones but you know like the country behind you i'm from hungary which is not really a tennis country there are not many players who are actually in the top 100 now but uh, back then it was only team ababos was in top 100 and uh, yeah it was it was the pressure on me because I won junior slams I was number one in the world and and the media was all around me and whenever they saw me failing they saw me losing matches you know as I was only 18 or 19 back then I couldn't handle these these things that uh, people judging me people telling me what to do and and yeah it was hard to handle the pressure
0: and did you did you have the right people around you because I guess no no 18 or 19 year olds can really handle that. Let's be honest. You know, it's a it's a very it's a very difficult situation. It's a very abnormal situation to be in. And again, if I use Ega Triantek as the example, one because they came to train out at the academy in Spain. And one thing that hit me is she had a couple of really strong people in her corners so or sports psychologists who she's very close to. and in it felt as if they were almost forming a shield around her. And, and really working on the processes to get her to understand herself, because why would she? Do you think that you, at that time, had, had the right team around you, and what would your advice be? Let's take you know, a youngster up and coming now who comes out of juniors, <clears throat> has a big success early. What would your advice be that you would pass on to somebody else?
1: Well, obviously, they have the right people, but uh, I'm not saying I didn't have the right people around me. Uh, I had some great coaches working with me. Maybe I would have needed a little bit more on the psychology side uh, to work with a psychologist constantly, because I also had some issues in my private life with family and relationships. So yeah, it was a it was not an easy period of my life and with the fact that I was pretty close to top 100 and I also had to handle my private life normal it was not easy and back then I think I didn't have the focus enough on my tennis career because of my private life
0: yeah and and in terms of that period because that's actually that's when I saw you a little bit as well. I remember when when I was coaching Panna. I know we practiced a few times together and, and I would have, I hope you don't mind me saying this. I, I certainly saw a player who was uh, a top 50 level tennis player, but you didn't look always that happy on the tennis court. You know, and it looked like there was a little bit of stress being being carried. How How low did you get? You know, did you get to the point where you were thinking, This is never going to happen. Or, or did you manage to keep that, that real belief in, in, in the inner self of you, of you that you thought I'll get through this and I will get there. did you get close to stop stopping playing?
1: Yeah, pretty much a lot of times, actually, I I was thinking about it. I was thinking if the whole thing is worth it and I wasn't happy on the court, even off the court. And yeah, all of a sudden, I I just realized I need to move away from here to, to go to another country, to start with a new coach, um, not a Hungarian coach. I was uh, specifically looking for not a Hungarian coach yep. at the time. And not because I have any problems with Hungarian coaches. It's just I wanted to leave this.
0: Starting you fresh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I wanted to start fresh. And that was the moment I was like, I'm going to give this another shot. That's when I was like 370 in the world on the rankings. And that's when I started to work with Bastian Fazinkani. Yep. a French coach in 2019 january I think and uh, yeah he had to work a lot on me like mentally and uh, the way of thinking about tennis the way of thinking about my life and how i I look at myself from the outside yep and uh yeah, he changed He changed a lot in me, and I'm really thankful for that.
0: And what's been the biggest change in you over the last three years?
1: Um, actually, I have to mention COVID. Yeah, yeah. Perspective. <laughs> because, yeah, because just before COVID, I felt like I was kind of on the rise again. Like, yep. just two or three months before COVID hit. I, I played some good tournaments. I made some semis on 25s. I won some ri- rounds on 125s. And uh, just before COVID, like a week before COVID, I, I made the final of a 25 again after two years. And when COVID hit, I started to be really d- depressed in the first couple of weeks because I felt like I was on the rise. And if I could kept going, then yeah. something great could have happened. And uh, But then I realized that this break uh, really helped me about how I look at my life and yeah. how, how thankful I am that I can play this sport and I can do what I love. And uh, when I cannot do it, I didn't feel my feel like myself. So that's when I realized that I actually, I'm I'm actually really lucky that I can do what I love.
0: It's, it's such a it's such a lovely story for you yeah. to share, Dalma. You know because. I guess what what we see certainly, you know, as a, as a British coach, my my academy's in Spain, but I, I've been here 12 years. But I, you know, in, in my heart, I'm I'm British, and 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 I guess we've seen, and I've had on the podcast a lot of stories, a lot of British stories similar to yours. However, not the not the upside at the end, <laughs> because I, 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 you know, in particular on on the boys' side, there's been quite a few players. You know that I'm sure you might have seen over the years that have won the U.S. Open Juniors, they've won the Orange Bowl, they've won these these global events at under 18s, and then at age 21 they've stopped playing tennis. You know, and I, and and I think you deserve a lot of credit that you've gone along that journey, and then you've and then you've been able. To, to turn it around and now hi hey, we could be we could be speaking in 12 years time and you're still going. you know and, and I think it, what I would like to understand, if you don't mind sharing with us, when you had those moments where probably would have been easier to stop. you know I would imagine it would have been easier when you're in this dark place and you know falling out of love with the sport, what was it that kept you going?
1: Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I don't really have a plan B right now. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not like the happy side of the story, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was actually starting to think what would I want to do if I if I wouldn't be a tennis player. Yeah. And I I just kept thinking and thinking and I couldn't find anything else that i could be passionate about yep. as, as i am about tennis and i don't want to start studying and and go to an office and work eight eight or nine hours a day sitting at a desk and at a computer because it's it's definitely not not my lifestyle or not the type of person i i i am to be sitting eight hours in one place and uh Honestly, right now, I don't think I could start coaching. (laughs) That's the the other thing because uh, when when COVID was uh, still in the picture and we still didn't have tournaments, I felt like I want to do something and I tried coaching and it was fun for one, two, three weeks. But on the fourth week, I was like... (laughs) I'm definitely not doing this for a long time right now (laughs) because I'm not patient enough with the, with the people who I, who I should play with. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that's the thing that uh, I I don't, I cannot find anything else that I'm so passionate about.
0: It's the lesser of the two evils. (laughs) Uh, I think we've just, we've just found our title. For, for the podcast, you know that that's the that this could this could be the title, but yeah. but is that in in terms of in terms of that and it, and thank you again for sharing that. It, it how much of that is linked to your upbringing and and your tennis upbringing? Because if it, I I often think if if someone's that good that young, it often became quite serious, quite young. Yeah. So, 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 can you tell tell us a little bit about, I guess, your your upbringing into tennis? You know how that journey was, and 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 how you, I guess, look back at, at that time period.
1: Yeah, well, I started playing when I was around four, or five. My dad uh, uh, was a tennis coach, and he owned two courts back then, and he he taught me how to play tennis actually, and okay. he was my coach for. Uh, until I was 12 I think so yeah that's when it started I grew I basically grew up next to the tennis courts I was playing around it I, I, even even when I was a baby my mom and dad were on the tennis court so I was always around it so it was obviously that, that it was obvious that one day I will actually try it and and yeah my my dad was passionate about it he was never pushing me though like he he never wanted me to be a professional tennis player he just he just uh, wanted to teach me how to play and enjoy the game and but obviously he saw the talent in me and there were other people uh, seeing me talented and uh, we started uh, going on tournaments uh, in Hungary, this uh, play and stay tournaments. It was It was called mini tennis back then. It was not a global thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. It was on the weekends. I was around other children. I was really enjoying it. I was winning some medals, and yeah, obviously, I, I liked the taste of of winning. So, yeah, my dad and my mom sacrificed a lot of thing, uh, a lot of things for me to uh, be able to go on tournaments, and uh, they were supporting me constantly. And my first international tournament was actually connected to a holiday in Croatia <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when I was 11
0: Schmerkable, schmerkable. yeah
1: and yeah. Uh, and I remember it clearly that we were on the holiday and I went to play the tournament I was I was always really passionate about winning it was always the winning part for me uh, I'm not an easy person to lose because after that I, I can be grumpy for days so (laughs) so yeah Uh, we started going on international tournaments under 12 under 14 and and I was successful so that's what kept me going and uh, that's what was motivating me and my whole family actually to be supporting me through this journey and uh, yeah that's where that's how I ended up here.
0: At what age did it start to feel like a job
1: I think after juniors
0: so do you so what so I guess the point I'm trying to make did as you were having this success at under fourteens, moving into you know playing for those listening u s open champion Wimbledon doubles champion world number one junior you know, well-known, you know, I've known your name for many years, you know, in, in, the, in, in, the te- in the tennis world. Was there any point in the juniors where it became really serious and that you maybe lost a little bit of that fun element and you were kind of playing for it to be a job rather than just playing because you loved playing tennis and had a passion for getting better at tennis? Or did that not come until a bit later?
1: Well, it's hard to tell because juniors i think the junior years are the funnest years of my life and yeah. I think a lot of people can agree with me who played junior tournaments there you can make friends you're you're just having fun off court well on court it's it's really serious and and you're you're giving 150 percent, obviously because that's where actually I have to mention this. that's where actually the sponsors show up first yeah. I think. And it's important uh, for the sponsors to junior junior uh, tournaments. So obviously i was I was working for that. and uh, and yeah, that that was actually one of the things that motivated me to win a Grand Slam and to be number one in the world, because I knew I needed some kind of support to start the, the pro level.
0: And in terms of that transition, because we, we often talk about that transition, and I, and I think personally, I think the transition's a little bit smoother. On the girls' side than the boys' side through through history, you know. Quite often, I would imagine at that age you were all when you were winning junior Grand Slams, you were probably already two fifty sort of WTA level, whether your ranking w- was the same. But you you talk about the benefit of juniors in terms of getting the sponsors mm-hmm. and the, and their help. Is there? Is there another benefit that you feel you belong at that level, so i guess i'm I'm looking for a bit of advice for for those listening are you a are you an advocate of the i t f junior circuit, and would you advise players to go along that route
1: hundred percent
0: okay
1: i mean uh, as i said it's it those were the funnest years of my life, so it's not only about tennis but that's where i actually Learned speaking English properly because I was making friends and I had to speak if I wanna wanted to socialize a bit uh, and also playing a lot of matches. Uh, it's really important, I think, to to play a lot of matches to get through uh, emotions and 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 all these kind of things that that's gonna even strengthen up in the pro level but it's like the first steps of, of of being a pro player i think to play the juniors
0: and then when you back in i believe it was 2015 when you won the us open you beat sophia kenning in the final that you then know that a player that then has gone on and and been in, in grand slam finals and and done that i guess it it also plays into your belief system that well, hold on. These players can do it. Then I can do it.
1: Exactly. Uh, there were a lot of questions to me when uh, Sofia won the Australian Open yeah. from the Hungarian media
0: <laughs> I bet.
1: about what do I think about it or how does it feel. And actually, it didn't feel bad at all. I I I was thinking at it as as an opportunity. That's uh, If she could do it, we were on the same level a couple of years ago. Maybe I can do it one day as well. Who knows? If I work hard enough, if I'm motivated, if I keep going, then that's a proof that we were on the same level and she could do it. So maybe I can do it as well.
0: I I love, you've used that, you've used the word proof and justification, validation a lot. And I think Mm -hmm. they're such good words because it's how the human brain works, isn't it? If we, if Mm -hmm. we feel, we feel validated, you know, if I even take me doing this podcast you know there was a time where maybe I got nervous when people came on but now I see how many people listen to it I see how many people give positive feedback it kind of validates it validates what I do and and it validates and gives me confidence to be able to continue doing it and that that has to be better being world junior number one winning a Junior Grand Slam and the girl you beat goes on to win a Grand Slam three years later, that has to be a better position than being 2,000 in the world juniors, never getting out of grade fives. And looking at the girl that you've never seen winning a grand slam. You know, it shows how close you are. And, and I often don't understand. It's the it's the same we get in Britain when Emma Radicanu won. Everybody wanted to speak to everybody in Britain that maybe Emma had lost to in under 14s or what whatever it might be to try almost try and make them feel negative about that situation. So I really, I really like your answer on that, Dalma, but I want to I do ask want to ask one question. Um Uh, before I move into a a slightly different topic, is if you now, you're still, it it also makes me feel old. You're 23 years old saying, those were the best years of my life. It was only five years ago. Um, And as I sit here 42 years old, thinking I don't remember my junior career. um, If you could do it again, if you were given a blank sheet of paper, age 10, uh, to to go along the tennis journey again, what would you do different, or you would, or would you do everything exactly the same?
1: Oh, that's a tough question. I never really thought about it like this before. Well, probably I would do a couple things differently, but most of it, I think, you no, know, I I think I would do everything the same even the bad things, even the good things, I had to experience those things to be the person who I am today. So, um, I'm grateful for, for every step of the way, even bad or good, because it shaped my personality and, and it shaped my tennis as well, I think. And, uh, my work ethic and the motivation I have today. So, so yeah, I would do everything the same. Probably.
0: That is a brilliant answer. <laughs> would, would, you, <laughs> would you have given that answer three years ago?
1: Three years ago.
0: Yeah. It seems to me, it just seems to me that your mindset is so good right now. You know, in, in, yes. in terms of how your outlook on things
1: yes, it, it but was... I also have to mention that three years ago, I I feel like I wasn't the same person as I am today. I'm I was thinking completely differently. But I'm happy that I was a different person three yeah. years ago because now I know what I did bad and what I can improve from those things that I did before and, and uh, the way I was thinking before. And that's why I'm saying even the negative things happening, happened or happening in my life are, are helping me uh, to be better, to be even more motivated every day.
0: I love it. I I couldn't agree more. I'm going to be going back through this cutting little segments of what you're saying because you're showing such wisdom you know and and sharing those with all the players at the academy as well because i i i'm a i'm a big believer that an experience is an experience you know and it doesn't have to be a good experience or a bad experience but those experiences that you have help shape who we are you know and we we shouldn't want to change that so i i completely love that I want to move into again. I had a little smile on my face when you said we we had no players in Hungary. And yeah. and maybe in that time. And 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 then there's been a I guess an explosion, you know, girl, girl power that's yeah. kind of that's 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 taken over, you know, and obviously big tennis fans out there will will know some of the names, but you know, with with Panna, with Anna, with Recka, with I know Fanny hasn't been around for a bit, but you two I guess had a rivalry in the juniors as, as, as the same age and then yourself that are, that are all either in the top 100 or around the top 100 how how much do you think you girls have helped each other in terms of you know well that person's done it so we almost jump on the back of it and 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 then or maybe subconsciously sometimes but start to almost build and 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 hunt in packs a little bit
1: yeah it it was exactly how you just explained i think that we saw the others successful and it also motivated us that we are we are all good players and and we knew that we all could be in the top 100 one day and obviously when one started moving forward the other wants to catch it so so it's it's it's. I think it's totally normal to be a little ri- rival, a little bit. I don't know how to say.
0: Yeah, rivalry. A little rivalry. Yeah, yeah.
1: Rivalry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's exciting. I think that how far can we push each other?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, because it was like. Obviously, I still I still follow all of you closely. You know, I I, I worked with Panna, but I I still am very fond of, of of Hungarian tennis and you know my time that I spent over there and and it was very you know for me I had a little smile on my face watching because it was like one one got in the top hundred, then two weeks later the next, and then four weeks later the next, and it yeah. was it really happened in in quick succession. So so now. The the next goal is you've all got to now push for the top fifty.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now Anna is the most, I mean, the closest right now. But I believe if if we all can just uh, like uh, strengthen our position right now, anything can happen in the close future.
0: And what would you, what would you put that down to? Because. Again, if I go back a few years, uh, I know obviously the, the the LTA and I know that you're close with Katie, Katie Swan and Jodie and have got good friendships with the British girls. But if we, if we go back quite a few years ago, the federations were always, almost looking at another country and, and at the time it was Belgium, you know, so there was Kim Kleister's, Justine Henning, there was Xavier Melis, Olivia Rockers that came out of a relatively small country in Belgium. So, so then other countries were going, Oh my goodness, what are they doing in Belgium? We need to, we need to get the magic dust from Belgium and do what they're doing. Whereas actually probably I'm sure there's lots of good people there. And I have to say this because my performance director at the Academy is Carl Mize, who was part of that team, but it, it's, it's often individuals that come through. You know, is there something that you think the Hungarian Federation, or do you think there was something that was done different maybe 10, 15 years ago that has resulted in so many of you girls coming through to being such top players?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, the Federation's changed a lot in the past years, but uh, I think Anna... And me kind of stuck with the coaches that we we believe in, and we're obviously using the federation's facilities. and And uh, the federation's fitness coach has been with Anna for six years, I think. He's been with me for two years. That's that's like a a really stable point of both of our teams. Uh, Balaj, uh, that's that's his name. And he's he's been helping us a lot and he's really professional. So that's that's like a stable point. And uh yeah, Anna is working with a coach for two years now. Uh I'm working with Agnes Bukta right now. Uh she's been helping me for Not one good. year.
0: Yeah, I saw that, yeah.
1: She's a, she's also been a tennis player. <laughs> she just stopped like a couple of years ago. So
0: she was tough. She was tough, tough to beat when she was playing.
1: Yes, yes, very. So I think the 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 good thing is that we all found the uh, the coaches and the base and and everything. What's what's important for us to be be uh, in a good place and uh, to be to be competing at at our best level.
0: And and culturally. As I alluded to, there I know you've got some some good friends of the of the British girls. Yeah. Do you see any big differences culturally between Hungarian, I guess, people tennis um, than you do in British tennis?
1: Well, I feel like Hungarian mentality is not. The best <laughs> I can imagine for a country and uh, for the sport, and obviously for tennis. Uh, that's where the British people are. I think more positive about it and more supportive. And and I, obviously, you guys have Wimbledon, which is which is really helping a lot to promote tennis and yeah. and and to get the people to. To like tennis and to to like to watch tennis, well, in Hungary it's a little bit different. Uh, here, football is more important, and and uh, tennis is not a not a priority sport. Still, I feel like.
0: And and is that changing now that, now that you girls are, are, are pushing the sport? Do you know? Do you feel like it? Because even when when I was. Working with Panna, I felt they were starting to get lots of big tournaments there. And it felt like there was being a little bit more of a push to have, you know, 100K events, 60K events. And and starting to try and push that. obviously, the WTA as well. Do you, do you feel as if that's changing when, when you girls play? Is it televised? Is it televised in, in Hungary?
1: Uh, unfortunately, not really. Only okay. if we are playing on big courts and big events. But not, it's not a priority still. So I think here it can change a lot still. But I'm hoping if we all go even further, then, then it's going to change soon a little bit more.
0: Because it does. I mean, I, I know, again, to, to use the, the, the comparison a little bit, with, with British women, Emma Raducanu obviously winning the US Open. Yeah,
1: well, that, that was a huge thing. <laughs> so.
0: it, it was massive. It was massive. And it's, but if she plays now, everybody knows about it, you know, and it's like, it, it's, and, and I, and I have to ask you as, as someone who's on the, on the tour, you know, how big of a shock was that to, to all the girls on the tour? And, and, and I guess how big of a motivation is that as well to see that somebody can come from such a ranking to have such a result?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely a huge surprise for everyone, I think. But for us youngsters, I mean, I still call myself a youngster, even though I'm not really. <laughs> you
0: are t- 23, you are, I promise you, you are.
1: Yeah, I'm still in my 20s. So, so yeah, um, yeah, it's a mo- it's a big motivation to see someone fight through qualies and then winning a Grand Slam. It's, it's like a once in a lifetime so far. So, yeah, it's huge and it's, it's motivating us all, I think.
0: And who's the, who's the next big story in women's tennis? And you're not allowed to say yourself. So who's the who's the next who's the next big story that that the public don't know about? You know, in the tennis world, of course, people know about most players, but the general public that don't follow tennis, apart from watching the big events, who should we be we be watching out for?
1: Actually, uh, I just played Petra Martinko on an 80k tournament in uh, Portugal. She she just won a couple 25s already and won Australian Open Juniors. Uh, she just started playing pro, but I think if she keeps working and she keeps up this level and attitude and motivation, she can be a big thing in the future.
0: 16 years old. Yeah. And you have to tell us,
1: Yes. And ended
0: up ended up in a big argument with the coach yes. and the father at the side of the court. So yes. this, is, this is your chance to put the record straight. I watched it. I, I watched the video, but I couldn't hear what was being said.
1: Well, it was, I think, four all in the third set. I was serving and apparently I hit a double fold, but Petro played the point and no one called it so after she hit the ball long she went to check the mark and yeah it wasn't it was a long serve from me but obviously it was too late to to call it and after that her dad went really bad on the on the chair empire and also Petra was uh, yeah going going at the chair empire and uh, yeah it was it was unlucky for them but it is what it is it happened to me a hundred times in the pro level and and they have to get used to it that that uh, this this is gonna happen and and it's not gonna go always her way even if it's unfair so yeah after that after the match obviously I was going off the court the dad congratulated me but he was also... Selling some stuff while we were still playing, and it was uh, disturbing me on my serve and and during the points. So I told him it was it was not fair, and he he has to start to behave because this is not a junior tournament anymore, and there are uh, older girls playing, more experienced girls playing. So they just have to get used to this this new new level i guess so that that was it
0: (laughs) and i'm sure it was all said with please and thank yous and smiles and it was it it was all good but
1: (laughs) i'm gonna be honest with you a lot of people know me and sometimes i curse sometimes i break records sometimes i go nuts on the court because my temper is is like passion we'll call it passion passion (laughs) Let's say it it, it. it sounds nicer, yeah. But uh, at that match, I didn't say anything bad at all, and okay. there are people who can who can uh, clear me on that. So, so yeah, I was. I think I was. I was. I was good on that mo- on that match, and I didn't say anything bad. I just I just wanted to tell my side of the story, and I wanted to clarify with the dad that he was doing something wrong.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're well within your rights to do that. And I think, I think it's very nice that you, you've also given Petra a shout out, you know, as well. I think that, that that, that shows your respect. And
1: and the way it was ruined in the end, it was obviously not nice for either of us. So, so yeah. And other than that, it was a great match. She played a great, she played great tennis and, and, I think this year she hasn't even lost a match beside that one. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, she's, she seems like she's well on the way to a, to a successful career. But back, back to you and my last question before we move into the quick fire. What's, what's the goals and ambitions? And I'm going to call you by your Hungarian name for, for Galfi Dalma, because I know you guys say your, say it the other way around to us. Yeah. So, what's, so what's the future for, hold for yourself?
1: well i really want to make it to top 50 that's that's like one of the biggest goals right now and uh from there if i go even further i'm just i'm just gonna be happy and and no i'm not gonna say relief because i'm already relieved from the top 100 (laughs) but uh yeah, that's what's motivating me to be in the top uh, top fifty and and to make it even further as as far as I can go. I I don't have like a number goal.
0: Well, all of control the controllables are, are all behind you, dal- Dalma. And mm-hmm. you know, I think you've you've spoken incredibly well. You know, I I've loved having the opportunity to to speak to you. I I, I said it was my last question before the quick fire, but. I do have a question that's jumped in my head, and I I sort of questioned this holy grail of top 100 in the world before, whereas actually, and, and, and I guess for a lot of people listening, they will know this or certainly think this, is being at that level starts to give you a little bit more financial stability, You know, it starts to get you to the point where maybe the finances aren't as stressful that if you're 370 in the world and paying 25Ks and, you know, struggling to pay your coach and knowing where the next money comes. Is that something that you think makes it less pressure once you get to a certain level and i know you haven't been there long yet or do you think then there's the pressure's change in terms of trying to almost sometimes protect the ranking that you have
1: well for now i'm still i'm not long there so so i cannot really tell yeah. but uh, i think it kind of takes the pressure off your shoulder yeah you do not have to yeah obviously think about uh, financial stuff that much obviously we still think about it but but not with so much pressure when you were still like on 25 k's and, and having to pay for every expense so yeah it's definitely taking some pressure off you.
0: Great well good luck the next few weeks um, you know I, I we have a proud record of when someone's come on the podcast The next few weeks, the results have have often picked up. Not that we're taking the full credit for Cameron Norrie getting the top 10 in the world. I'm sure he deserves some credit and these different players. But I hope that there is a fantastic few weeks ahead for you. I'm sure there will be. You sound like you're absolutely in the right place mentally for it, for your great tennis to come through. Thank you for your time. But are you ready for the quick fire round?
1: Let's do
0: it. <laughs> what does control the controllables mean to you? Controllables.
1: Should I be quick,
0: or, or what's, the, what's the goal here? Well, it's it, you, you. You can tr- you can be as quick as you want. Somebody took twenty five minutes on the quick fire round. Somebody t- somebody took two minutes. So it, it's all it's all up to you. How you how you want to be.
1: I think of the podcast.
0: (laughs) Uh, Roger or Rafa?
1: Oh, my God. These questions are not easy. I used to be Rafa for a long, long time. Then I switched to Roger and back to Rafa.
0: And then Roger comes back and wins Wimbledon and then you're back to Roger.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's not really about the winning part. It's I don't know. Now,
0: Rafa. Uh, 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 Serena or Venus? Venus. Clear courts or hard courts?
1: Hard courts.
0: Serve or return? Serve. Singles or doubles? Singles. Forehand or backhand? Backhand. Favorite Grand Slam?
1: US Open.
0: I've just realized this next question is going to be tough for you. Oof. If you weren't a tennis player, what would you be?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: not a tennis coach yet.
1: Not a tennis coach, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, I would have a cafe or a restaurant.
0: Nice. <laughs> Medical timeout or not?
1: For. Cool. Since I'm injured a lot, <laughs> I have to say medical timeout.
0: As you've been so honest today, honestly, <laughs> do you use the medical timeout for strategic reasons sometimes?
1: Um, I did once or twice, but it's not like a regular thing for me.
0: And do you think a lot of players do? Yes. <laughs> which is why i have the question in there because it's some sometimes i think it slows the game down when it doesn't need to be slowed yeah. down
1: yeah
0: let cords or not
1: net cords
0: so you you call so if it hits the net and goes over you replay the point yeah yeah okay so college tennis and now itf juniors they don't so oh yeah just, yeah so so yeah so I, don't, you, I don't like that <laughs> especially in america because the yeah. nets are so tight
1: yeah
0: what's one rule change you would have in tennis
1: i'm happy with the rules i think or maybe maybe the shot clock it's it's sometimes it's a it's not enough time between points
0: <laughs> are you, are you? Do you like your time, dear? You? Are you like Rafa?
1: I mean, since we have to go to our towels, it's sometimes it's not enough to to like really go there, use it, like take a breath and and go back to your position. Sometimes yeah. it's really like almost thirty seconds, and then you're out of the t- uh, the time. So
0: especially on some courts, yeah, on big stadium courts, yeah, big
1: stadiums. It's it's <laughs> definitely not easy
0: and who who should our next guest be on control the controllables
1: i would say anna
0: (laughs) yeah you because this is this is important because you're you you have the baton right now yeah and and you have to pass the baton so you're responsible for bringing the next person onto the show
1: okay then anna bonder
0: Great. Well, uh, you're going to have to connect, connect me, persuade her and then connect me and we'll get, we'll get Anna on, which will be fantastic.
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: Dalma you were brilliant. Thank you so much for your for your time. Enjoy your you time over the next few days <laughs> yeah. and and all and all the best for the for the rest of the clay court season and then moving into a grass court season as well. But you've been a brilliant guest. Thank you for coming Thank on.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me.
0: We've talked we've talked for a while and I've got Vicky next to me uh, as always. We've we've been trying to get lots of girls on, haven't we? And 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 to get Dalma on and to have her speak so so openly about the challenges on the tour, uh, just, I was expecting her to be a good guest, but uh, I wasn't expecting her to be such a great guest.
2: Yeah, she was really honest, I thought, really honest, and um, and had so much advice, I think, for up and coming players.
0: Yeah, loads, and I'm always, I'm, I'm far from a psychologist, <laughs> you know, sometimes I try and pretend I am maybe, but <laughs> it, interviews, I think, give so much away And then I think podcasts even more because podcasts you're you're delving even deeper. You know, it's not just a a surface level interview.
2: And often players are a bit more relaxed, I think, as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 certainly Hopefully anyway. (laughs) Well that's what that's the aim, you know. And I think Dalma having I didn't know that well a few years ago, but I did have, you know, little bits to do with her and, and just hearing her, you can see not only has she matured but she's she's very as she said herself just she's worked on herself she she sounded very assured she sounded like someone and I was, thought it was very interesting as well she wouldn't change anything you know that's that's what it is that's been her, her journey yeah. and and I think there's so many juniors out there that just don't know themselves yet but why would they <laughs> they're so young and and they don't quite know how to deal with all of the different emotions that they're experiencing the expectations the the challenges the doubts the fears and and I think hearing from somebody like Dalma who was so good so young but who then got to the point of actually almost quitting and that's probably the point that most players do quit because they think well I just it's not happening for me this is not the sport for me and then she's had the resilience to be able to to reset and then push herself back up and i have no doubt she's got her best best career and best years ahead of her i just thought it was such a lovely um yeah such a lovely message you can get someone who's 50 60 years old preaching that but somebody who's 23 years old very relatable and already been through so much at her young age i i certainly will be passing this on to to many of of our players and i and i hope they'll be listening as well
2: well she said didn't she covid had benefited her because it gave her some perspective on that um after an initial like tough the tough time that she was having and i think as well it was interesting what she was saying Back when she was world junior, number one, there weren't that many Hungarian players doing well, but now there's like a team of them. And so that pressure's not fully on her shoulders. It's shared amongst them and they're all in it together. And we've seen that, I think, um, if we look back at British tennis before Andy Murray won Wimbledon. Every year, the pressure's on the Brits. And, and once he'd kind of won that once, it was just Absolutely. you know it lifted. <laughs> hunting, in,
0: hunting in packs. Yeah. You know, I think actually, and we have to give a shout out to the to the British tennis right now because I think they're doing that. You know, I think I saw the other day that Ryan Peniston moved into the top 200 in the world, and that was seven male players inside the top top 200. The females are also doing very well. You know, you've got Sonia Cartel who was on the on the podcast won another 25k event today, won one in love in the final she's now i think 21 and 2 on the year wow and up to 320 in the world and and if you're winning these finals one in love it shows that probably your level is ahead of that so i think it's it's great to see that i think some some great messages that came through from Dalma and and one thing i do love on that just to pick up what you said about about the pandemic and what Dalma said about that it is one of my favorite bits, quotes I've heard, and it's something I try as best I can in my personal and private life to do is when something bad happens, say good, just instantly reframe it and go good, because this is now going to open up another opportunity, you know, and I think so many people now are seeing obviously we, we we don't wish the pandemic to have happened and we don't wish what everyone's been through to have ever happened but those that have reframed that situation and that would just be maybe a little thing to take from from this podcast as well when something in your own life goes goes a little bit wrong you get a bad test result you know you get some news that you that you don't want try and say good instead of saying bad and just see see how you can reframe it and flip it. Vicky hates it when I do it. It's so annoying. It does work it does it does work. It works It It works works
2: for you because you're ready, you're ready and prepped. You're in that mindset already and often I'm not quite with you. And so when you initially say it's highly annoying. But I need (laughs) another five minutes or so to kind of join you in looking at the positive side. Five years. Working on it. (laughs) But talking about young players with expectations on their shoulders, we can't then not mention. The
0: man of the hour, Alcaraz.
2: Absolutely amazing, he's okay, isn't he? He's
0: not bad. <laughs> he's he seems to have a bit of a good thing going right now. Poor, you know? <laughs> oh, and and as we're recording this, we're about to sit down and watch his final in Madrid against Verev, So by the time this goes out, my I just don't see him losing this Verev the way that he's playing. You know, unless unless his body isn't holding up you know and I know that's a bold statement when this could be going out and having egg on my face I know that Zverev loves Madrid it's the one tournament that suits him in in lots of ways a little bit of altitude balls are flying but it's it's just sensational that he saw today like he's the second favorite in the in Roland Garros um, just incredible. And I'm sure you've got us some stats. You love your, your I stats. I love stats.
2: Well, you, you're usually the stat man. I love stats that are interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. I Joffrey um, Porter, actually, in our last episode, if you heard it, he tipped Alcaraz um, to win Roland Garros. And I went, oh, all right. You know, do you really think he could go past Nadal and Djokovic? And bam, um, he's beaten them back to back. So that's one of the stats. Um, best
0: of three, not best of five.
2: That is very true.
0: I, I'm. I. But
2: that's another thing about Zverev, though. Is it that now, oh, he's beaten Nadal. He's beaten Djokovic. She kind of thinks, oh, I've got Zverev now. Anyway, it's an interesting one. We'll see what happens. I just UF. think
0: he's so good that I don't think that stuff matters with him. I think, I think he just is. He's there. He's he's there. You know, seeing him, seeing him as a 16 year old, he was already like a top 50 player. As an 18 year old, he was a top 10 player. And now as a 19 year old, he's a top two, three in the world, if not. A world number one this year, maybe. Twitter's
2: going mad. I know I mentioned Twitter in the last episode as well, but it is all about how many sams people think he's going to win. I think it's a similar thing to Dalma. You know, the expectations now are huge it on good.
0: I mean, having Juan Carlos Ferrero in his corner helps. Yeah. You know, having this is where that real kind of wisdom and expertise and being there, seen it, done it comes into play you know I think he's got a really tight-knit team around him they've got a great relationship I personally don't think he'll win Roland Garros I think uh, not that it's too early I think he's ready I think he's ready but I think it, the worst thing in the world for the for the rest of the tennis world was that match for Novak Djokovic because he's in now Djokovic has yeah. he's played himself in you know he, he was struggling a little bit you know, but a, ma- a match like that has now got him ready. You could see it. He was loving it. He was winding the crowd up. He was serving, yeah. finding his first serves in the big moments. And I think to beat a Djokovic or to beat Djokovic and Nadal in five sets at Roland Garros becomes very difficult. We'll see how the draw falls.
2: Is he fit enough Djokovic yet?
0: I just think he is. I think I think Nadal and Djokovic have done it so many times. I think they'll they'll be ready again and uh i would say the smart money goes on one of those two um as much as i'd love to see alcaraz do it because without a doubt he's he's going to be there he's going to get grand slams to his name i think it's way too early to start talking about how many grand slams he's going to win but without a doubt he is the most exciting male player that we have seen come along for a long 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 time
2: we forgot about my stats Oh, is he, we're even getting too excited about him. Um, youngest finalist in Madrid Masters history. First player to beat Nadal and Djokovic back to back on the clay. You had, you thought you had a better uh, stat than well, that. Well,
0: I saw Wimbledon. I saw Wimbledon and Roland Garros. I saw all of these people tweeting that. And I knew that in 2007, you see, I remember Nalbandian in Madrid went back to back with Nadal Djokovic, whichever way around it was to back with Roger Federer in the final wow. and and I was about to be a little bit cocky and right you know Um, you know apart from Nalbandian or you know something like that on (laughs) on social media and I thought you know what Dan and this is how I've matured five years ago that would have gone (laughs) sent done and I would have looked stupid so I just googled it had a little look and Madrid where it happened was actually on a hard court (laughs) so uh they were correct still
2: still incredibly impressive though (laughs)
0: impressive but it has been done on a surface before
2: final stats uh He's become the youngest player to beat a world number one in 17 years. But who was the last person to do it?
0: Is that a question for me or is that for the listeners? Well, I'm hoping
2: I, I can stump you.
0: Well, uh, if it was <laughs> 17 years ago, my, my guess would go to an 18-year-old Rafael Nadal.
2: Oh, you're so annoying. I really thought I'd, I'd get you there. It was indeed Rafael Nadal. Who was he playing?
0: Rafa Nadal, 17 years ago, 17 years ago, world number one, could be a Roger Federer.
2: Oh, yes, Roger Federer, one of their first matches in Miami, 2004 Miami Open.
0: Um, And as, I mean, people forget on the women's side, I know she's a favorite of ours, but Iga Sviantec is only a year older, I think, you know, and she's already won a Grand Slam. Yeah. Maybe two years older, actually. She's already won a Grand Slam. She's gone on an amazing run. She has to be the favourite going into Roland Garros, you know, on the on the women's side. You know, she's taken, taken a, a, a tactical week off, I think, Madrid. She's won so many matches, but she seems to have absolutely raised the bar again since Ash Barty has, has moved on, and that seamlessly moves me into our next guest after Dalma, which is...
2: Mark Beef Taylor S and C coach to Ash Party,
0: and what a great what a great guest he is as well. I know this because we have had to. We don't normally pre-record so far in advance, but myself and Vicky are away for a family holiday that we've been we've been finally (laughs) after two and a half years of postponement after postponement. So we have pre-recorded to make sure that these amazing guests and episodes are coming to you each tuesday so enjoy next week i have a little exclusive as well that's coming your way we have cameron norrie and his coach fakou lagunes that are going to be that are going to be going through their journey over the last 18 months since we since we last had him on the podcast so excited to speak to him in in two or three weeks time so watch out for that one keep on listening Thank you to everyone who remains commenting, liking, sharing, reviewing the podcast. But until next time, I'm Dan Kiernan and we are Control the Controllables.